0: This morning's scripture comes from the book of John, chapter 18, verse 12 through 14 and 19 through 24. So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? Annas then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for being who you are. We thank you for your presence here. We thank you that we just have you in our lives for hope and peace. Father God, we ask that you open, open our ears and our hearts to hear your word this morning and to apply everything that you teach us to our lives and to others. And in this Jesus' name we pray, amen.
1: Good morning. How are we doing? Awesome, awesome. It's a privilege for me to be here with you this morning. It is an, uh, a great joy to be able to be here. I love Rick and Jamie. Um, and yesterday, I went to a funeral at White Plains United Methodist Church. Um, funny story. I got there and had all kinds of emotion because that's where Rick and Jamie got married. Okay, White Plains United Methodist. But the funeral is actually today, not. Yesterday, so I sat in the parking lot. I was a little early, see. So let's say, but I got to the church and I started thinking of the church. I'm seeing Rick and Jamie today, and being able to remember that day that they came together, and um, just great to be able to be here today. I do want to start out really quick by saying that I believe that Hector Gutierrez is the nicest dressed man in this building. <laughs> okay, can, I mean, can you see that? He he has really really good taste. You see that? Anyway it's fantastic to be here with you. I, again, uh, my wife is teaching children. She would love to be here, but she's not. Um, she's going to join us later at the end of the service, and we're hopefully going to spend some time with Rick and Jamie and some folks. But uh, uh, we do have four kids. They're 14, 13. They are 10, uh, 11, 14, 13, 11, and 9. And um, wow. So that, that's all I'm saying. Wow. And wow. Um, So we've got our our hands full. It's an awesome privilege for me to be able to open up the text. And as we go through and walk through the text this morning, I want to just sort of paint a picture for you just as we get started to sort of help um, sort of get our minds wrapped around the beauty of Jesus knowing exactly what he was put on this world to do. It's great to know why you're here. Jesus demonstrated to us in this text this morning why he was here. But but before we jump into the text, let's just have a little bit of uh, um, some fun here for just a minute. Let's just say for a moment that you're not going to be able to watch the Carolina game, and you are, for the sake of my illustration, a diehard Tar Heel, diehard Tar Heel fan. You do not like Duke. You do not like Wake Forest. You do not like State. You are a diehard Tar Heel fan for the sake of this illustration here, and, and the the issue is is that you're not going to be able to be here tonight because you're going to be at, you're, you're going to be able to watch the game tonight because you're going to be at church here at Anthem. Let's just say for the sake of DVR, you DVR the game. And then you turn off your phone so that nobody will tell you who wins the game, Right? and you say, don't tell me, I don't want to know, and you go home, you don't know who wins the game, you sit down at your TV, you turn on the TV, and you're watching the first 10 minutes of the game, and then all of a sudden, one of your kids runs through the house and says, the Tar Heels win by three. All of a sudden, you go, oh! Well, then something happens. You know the outcome, and you start to Relax. As a matter of fact, you go into the second half, and you notice in the second half, the Tar Heels are down by 15, but you sit back with your hands behind your head, your feet on the ottoman, and man, you are cool as a cucumber. Why? Because you know the outcome. Because things change when you know the outcome, right? And what Jesus is demonstrating in the text that we have this morning, and really in all of the gospel and all of life, he's saying, hey, listen, I want you to know the outcome so that you can calmly, passionately, and boldly do what I've left you here to do. You see, the the greatest thing about it is you can sit there and you can watch the game. You can watch that game, and you can see a bad call by the referee they, the team gets a plus four. They, they hit a three-pointer, and Kentucky gets a three-pointer, and they get fouled, and it's a four-point play. But guess what? There's three minutes to go in the game. You're still down by 15, but you just found out that someone told you that the Tar Heels win by three. And you're like, I'm cool. I don't know how they're going to do it, but I'm cool. Why? Because you know the outcome. And what we need to understand before we even jump in for the day, is that God's desire and one of the purposes of sending Jesus is to send Jesus so that we would understand and we would rest in the final outcome. Jesus knew where he was going and what he was going to do. He was preparing that way for the folks of the time and even preparing us. And so as we look at this text and maybe quite possibly we have questions over why didn't Jesus respond this way or why didn't Jesus respond that way, I want to encourage you to relax and rest in the outcome because you know it. Rest in the victory, right? Rest in the victory. So we're going to jump in and take a look at our text and we've got really three people and what I sort of want us to do right now is we, we've got to take a look at three questions that I think we're going to answer today. Three, three questions that we're going to answer. And, and the first question that I want us to answer is, who are the accusers? Because in, in the text, as you introduced last week, we know that Jesus was betrayed by, say it with me, church, Judas. He was betrayed by Judas. It was some trumped-up charges. Jesus is bound He goes before the high priest. That's where we sort of pick up the text this morning. We also know that in order to move forward in our faith, it makes it it a lot easier to move forward when we know what the outcome is going to be. We know that Jesus is going to die. He's going to be buried, and he is going to be raised from the dead. We know that a forward faith understands the end as it progresses forward and does the things that God would have us to do. So I I want us to take a look at three questions that we're going to answer. Number one, we're going to answer this, who are the accusers? Number two, we're going to answer, is this really a trial? I think it's important for us to understand, based on Jewish law, why this was not really a a trumped-up trial. Let's put it that way, all right? Trumped up trial. And then number three, how does Jesus' response cause me to move forward in my faith? I, I like the illustration that Rick provided with me. Maybe he used it last week. If you take a look at a boxer, a boxer is successful when he's moving forward in the ring, okay? A boxer is successful when he's moving forward in the ring, And I believe that as believers in Jesus Christ, as a follower of Jesus, not a fan of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, it's important that our lives are demonstrated by moving forward thus this series. We know that what Jesus did is he went forward to the cross. He went forward with the plan that God had for him to do. The question is, is because of his plan and what he did in his life, are we inspired to move forward? forward in our lives to 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 make a difference so let's take a look at the accusers of here's what's going on we got uh jesus who is bound and he's brought before this guy let's take a look at verse 12 so the band of the soldiers and their captain and the officers of the jews arrested jesus and bound him first they led him to annas let's just take a look at annas for just a minute You see, Annas was the high priest between A.D. 6 and A.D. 16. He was not the high priest at the time of Jesus' arrest. However, any time you had a high priest after Annas, it is known that Annas was really the one in charge. His son-in-law was in charge at the time. He was actually the high priest at the time. That's Caiaphas. Annas was most known to be the most powerful figure in Jewish hierarchy. He carried the title of of high priest uh, for life, much like presidents carry the title today. Even though he was not the high priest, at the time of Jesus' arrest, he actually had the title. It's like today we would call President Bush, we call him President Bush. You know, we, we call former presidents, we still use that title. And Annas had that title. Now, wh- why is it that we have the high priest that is Caiaphas, but why do we have Jesus that's brought to Annas? That's an important point that we need to take a look at. Um, the rumor was is that it didn't matter did to have to have the tit- title. Annas was truly calling the shots. He was proud, he was ambitious, and he was greedy. How do we know that he was greedy? Well, church history says, and if we even were to just basically go through John John chapter 2, we learn that Annas set up a system in the temple where they would deny their sacrifices in order to go into the temple. And then what would happen is he would have a system to, so let's just picture you're going to the temple and you have a sacrifice. You come into the temple with your sacrifice. You come in there. Annas had a system where he had people deny their sacrifices. And then he had a system where you could repurchase one from him and his band of brothers, so to speak. So Annas comes over in in John chapter 2. Jesus comes into the temple, and the temple, there's a lot of change, money changing going on. And do you remember what Jesus did at that time? He was filled with what's called righteous anger. And he took the table, and he flipped it over and said, my house will not be a den of thieves, it will be a house of prayer. Because what was going on is, they were robbing from the people at that time. So Annas had this elaborate system that's going on you come up with your sacrifice, that sacrifice is denied. And in order to get into the temple, you need to have a sacrifice. And so he says, but you can, you can buy this. Instead of your turtle doves there that were 25 cents, you know what? We're going to let you buy something over here for $3, so to speak. So then Annas comes in, and he's pocketing that money from the people. Jesus comes in and disrupts that. That sets the stage. Why the high priest is Caiaphas, but Annas is the one that Jesus has brought before. Because there's a little bit of animosity. Because why? Jesus had hurt Annas' pocketbook. dramatic pause for a reason, right? <laughs> I want you to d- digest why we're going fo- w- where we are, okay? So, so that's who we have. We have Annas. He profited money, and so he was infamous for his greed and that the outer courts of the temple became known as the Bazaar of Annas, right? So when we do read John chapter 2, I'd encourage you to do that. I'm going to flip to it now. He flips over the tables and and disrupts this money making or this Ponzi scheme that Annas had created outside the temple. So it would be safe to say that Annas did not like Jesus very much and wanted to do whatever he could to sort of get back at him. Would you say that? Right? Okay, so, so now we have Annas as the, one of the accusers. And we would bas- basically say he's pretty, sum- uh, we could summarize him as saying he's someone who is rather greedy in, in the scheme. So let's take a look at who is the next person that we, we see in the text. Is, they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. So again, what I'm saying is, Caiaphas is the high priest, Annas is a past high priest, but he jumps in because he wants to get back at Jesus. Caiaphas comes in, and it says this, Caiaphas, who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. In order for the Sanhedrin, the Jewish Council of seventy, to remain in charge, the, Jesus had to die for the people. It was Caiaphas's idea for that to take place. Caiaphas comes in and says that that's what should take take place. He advised the plan that one should die for the Jews. John eleven forty nine and fifty two. He proposed this plan, like I said, to save the power of the Sanhedrin, and he was appointed the high priest. AD 18 and he held that position till AD 36 the next person that we have in the text if we go on to verse um, 22 Uh, I'm gonna start reading in verse 21 why do you ask me ask those who have heard me what I said to them they know what I said verse 22 when he had said these things one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, "Is that how you answer the high priest?" So, setting up who we have here: we have Annas, we have Caiaphas, and we have this officer. Well, what did this officer do? The officer was a, was was taking care of um, taking care of his boss. He was protecting the former high priest of Annas and the current high priest of Caiaphas. This man, this man, who they. S- thought was, he, he was, in, he was insulting, um, insulting their boss. Jesus was insulting Annas and Caiaphas. And so what does this man here do? We have um, Annas who is incredibly greedy. We have Caiaphas who has a plan. And we have this, I don't know, we'll call him a crook. And he's an officer. And what does he do? He strikes Jesus across the face. And that's the setting that Jesus is in. The reason I set it up like this is because I really want to show you the unbelievable mistrial that this should be awarded because this really wasn't a trial that should have been had in in the terms of having a trial. Let, let, Let me ask this question. Is this truly a trial? First, Jewish law says that you cannot have a trial at night with a sentence as well. It cannot be at night. Study says that this took place between the hours of one and three a.m. And it is against the Jewish law for you to have a um, for you to have a um, a trial at night. Number two, uh, the, the arrest was the ro- result of bribery. Uh, we learned that last week, I'm sure, with Rick when he went through 18, 1 through 11 in that text as well. And then uh, number, uh, next one I, I would say is that Jesus asked to incriminate himself. And so let, let me work through this one just a little bit here. It is completely against Jewish law for the accuser to be asked to defend himself with first a witness who has to be the accuser who has to accuse him. Jewish law basically said the defendant in the case is not allowed to speak. He is, only to be, he is only to speak after the charges have been launched against him. And so let's, with that in mind, let's take a look here. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. So they asked Jesus, they were questioning Jesus about who were your followers and how many of them, how many are there of them, and uh, what are you teaching? And then Jesus answered, I have spoken openly to the word, I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. Jesus knows fully the law. He knows that they're supposed to have someone there to accuse him, and then he responds to the accusation. That's not what takes place here. They want to try to trap Jesus into something. They first ask him, who are your followers, number one? And then, who, what are you teaching? Now I have, I I know what we're doing here is we're looking what it looks like to have a forward faith. But I want to say, jump off just for a moment and say something very personal and practical for you as Anthem Church, as you rally behind your pastor. And I want you to listen really carefully. The question they said in this text is the high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples Every single pastor in America is asked the question, How many people are coming to your church? And as a pastor who planted a church for five years, I want to encourage you to encourage him as he wades through that question. Do you hear me? They're asking, Who's coming? Who are your followers? Who are your disciples? as an application of this text for you at Anthem Church right now, we fight hard as pastors to minister to who is there, not to who isn't there. And we need your help. Rick needs your help to fight with him and for him, to not get so distracted in who isn't here, but to celebrate the goodness, the grace, and the movement of God for who is here. So I am begging you, listen to me, I am begging you and I am encouraging you to text him, write him, call him, and let him know I'm with you. Because here's the question a lot of times that we get as leaders, who's coming, who's coming? Yes, numbers tell us a lot about the forward movement of the faith. But you know what? Nothing can change the forward progress of your pastor when his people look you straight in the face and say, I'm with you. I got your back. I am a disciple of the Most High God. You are my under-shepherd, and I'm following you. From a guy who had a church for five years, I'm encouraging you to do what you know you should do so that Anthem Church can run and be a forward-acting church. Okay, now let's jump back in to the text as we go. So they're asking the question, who are your followers and who are, who are your followers and what are you teaching? Man, we could look in John chapter um, uh, the whole book of John and say everything that Jesus has been teaching and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so when we take a look at how is this not a true trial? A trial has to take place during the day. A trial has to take place with an eyewitness. They have to accuse the person and then the, the one being accused then responds. They're trying to trap Jesus by talking about what he's teaching and who his followers are. Um, they try to get him incriminated. And it is um, a a sentence of capital punishment could not be carried out until 24 hours had passed. And what was going on at this case is they were trying to railroad this through. Now, how, how do we put all of this together? When we take a look at the text, how do you and I get the application from this message to have a forward faith. And I've got two things that I want to share with you. We're going to flesh these out together. How how do we have a forward faith? Because, see, see, here's the deal. The the Bible says, run and not grow weary. So that's forward, right? The Bible says, walk in the light of the word. So we want to walk. That's going forward. And sometimes we go back. But at the end of the day, cumulatively, what we want to be saying is, we want to be saying that since jesus went forward even in this trump these trumped up charges he understood that it was his will and god's will for him to go to the cross so that you and i could have the freedom to say i'm walking forward and if we're not walking forward if we're not walking forward then why not we live in the United States of America and we have, can own as many Bibles as we want to and read them anytime we want to, right? We have the opportunity to talk about Jesus whenever and when and however. Here is the key that I want us to see is how can Jesus' response cause me to move forward in my faith? How can Jesus' response cause me to move forward in my faith? N- number one, Number one, a forward faith is not a secret faith. A forward faith is not a secret faith. I, I want you to take a look at um, verse 19 and 20. I'll read that one again. Just take a look at 19 and 20. The high priest in questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken I want you, church, to say it with me. What does it say? I have spoken openly. Okay, I've spoken openly to the, to the who? To the world, all right? I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all Jews come together. I have said nothing in, say it with me, church, secret. I've never said anything in secret. And I believe that one of the demonstrations that Jesus is teaching us right now is that a forward faith is not a secret faith. A forward faith is not a secret faith, okay uh, Jesus had a plan. he taught, he healed, he made the deaf to hear the lime, the lame to walk, the, the blind to see the, the mute speak, and he did not do this in secret. He stands before this small group of accusers and tells them what he has taught and has uh, what he has taught for years he 's taught them in front of everybody, and this is what he has said in John chapter 3, he said, I'm the, John chapter 3, he said, uh, for God so loved the world, okay, and then John chapter um, 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, and John chapter 11, he said, I am the resurrection and the life, and John chapter 8, he said, I am the bread of life, And I mean, he just kept going on, referring to it and reminding people over and over and over and over again, this is who I am, and because of who I am, here's who you can be. You can be a child of me. You can be a child of the king. And so a forward faith is not a secret faith. And um, it's, it's, it's funny as we seek, as we ponder death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and get our hearts ready for Easter, I pray that our faith will be summarized by the people around us, the people around us will be able to say, that's my friend right there, and they don't have secret faith. Let me just say, if I went home with you this afternoon and I knocked on your neighbor's door, maybe the one to the right, and I said, hey, is their faith secret? Maybe if I went to the neighbor on the back, how about the guy in the cubicle that works next to you or something like that? If I was to ask him, is your faith a secret, what would they say? How about your family member? You know that doesn't know the Lord, struggling really hard right now. See, a forward faith is not a secret faith. A forward faith is not a secret face, faith. I, uh, I, um, couple of, uh, a year ago, a year ago, I was, um, uh, we were moving, and uh, uh, is anybody want to just give an amen that moving is of the devil? Yeah. Okay. I just would like to get th- amen past the, pl- I mean, hallelujah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Moving is literally of the devil. It's like, man. So it, it's, yeah. I, I, yeah, you all agree with that. We'll keep going. But we were moving, and I mean, there was like 28,000 um, um you know, I had to go to the dump a couple of times to take stuff and to throw things away. And um, to, to, be, to be very honest with you, I, we were moving, and I'm um, going to be very transparent. I was grumpy, okay? I, I was pretty grumpy. And I was laser-focused on trying to get things done in order for us to move. We were moving ourselves, and it was a nightmare of an experience. But this particular day... Uh, on Friday, I had a lot to get done in order for the house to get out of, we had to be out of the house by Monday. And so, this was Friday, I went to the dump, I got to the dump, and I was throwing some things around, things away, and I met this guy named, uh, I met this guy named Jerry. And um, we had small talk together, and a little bit like that, and he was looking through some of my stuff, and um, he worked at the dump, he worked there, and, and so I was throwing this away, and he was helping me move some things, and and, and, and the Lord laid it on my heart to, to just say, God bless you and get in my car and go home. That's, that's really what I want to do. I felt like that the Lord was saying, you need to share the gospel with him. You need to encourage him in his walk with the Lord. And uh, I was like not open to that really at all. And I was focused on me, focused on what I needed to do that day and I got to the car, and he said, hey, um, so uh, he had, I saw some stuff. I had a shirt on. He said, so do you go to church? I'm like, oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I do, and I do, man. I, yeah, I just wanted to let you know, God bless you. Thanks for all you do, and I just pray that God would um, be real to you today. And I turned around and got ready to get in my car. And he's like, Hey. How do you know he's real? And I went, "Uh uh-oh. I think I need to stop. (laughs) I closed the door. I went back, sat on the bumper, and talked to Jerry about King Jesus. And at that moment, I started crying because of my sin of apathy to the faith. And I had come to a place where I used to share my faith all the time and I'd gotten away from that and it was that moment right there at the Morrisville dump site with this man named Jerry who was pleading with someone to tell him about Jesus and for some reason I had the opportunity to be right there at that moment at that time and we sat on my bumper and he said yes I want Jesus what do I need to do and I said just say you want to be saved just say I want Forgive me of my sins. I place my faith in you. And right there at the end of my borrowed pickup truck, Jerry gave his life to Jesus. I want to let you know something. That that was April the 22nd, 2016. And the Lord has awakened me to what it means to understand that a forward faith is not a secret faith. And I want you, Anthem Church, to know that you are sovereignly positioned and placed to make a radical difference in this community, in each other's lives and in the lives of your neighbors and coworkers. And if you want to live a forward faith, then it will not be a secret faith. You hear me? It will not be a secret f- faith. I don't care how many people fill this building 10 years from now. I don't care how many people built this building from 6 months from now. What I want is I would rather have, rather have, rather have 60 people that are living an active, bold, loud faith in this community than have 3,000 people that are living in secret. You know what I'm saying? Bill Hybels is probably the greatest pastor of the seeker church movement. You know what he said recently? He planted a church for people who had never been to church before, and it was the seeker movement. And he basically said, we went after people, we did entertainment, we did loud music, we played popular uh, uh, radio songs and things like that. He says, if I was to do it all over again, I would do it radically different. I believe what he was saying is that instead of the show, We'd come down to just get busy and doing the gospel the way the gospel says. And allow that gospel to motivate you to move forward in your faith so that you don't have a secret faith. Just to give you an update, Jerry is a good friend of mine now. We text all the time. His son has been delivered from drug addiction. We've been talking, we've been praying Amen. I get a, every chance I get to go to the dump. I'm like, let's go. I gotta see if Jerry's there. <laughs> and so I want you to know that it's not a convert; it's a disciple. Okay, make sure you understand. Go and make disciples. It's not go and see people say a prayer. It's go and make disciples. That's your mission. I know your pastor. That's your mission. Okay, Jesus is Jesus is demonstrating to us that a forward faith is not a secret faith. Next thing, number two. Number two. A forward faith is being led by the Spirit of God. A forward faith is being led by the Spirit of God. I, 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 wanna, I want us to be able to see this is really going to be important for us married folks in here, okay? To really understand the way that Jesus responded, did not react. Okay? So when we take a look at Jesus' response, we um we, we we have to let me let me back up just a minute. There's two words I want you to see react and respond. Okay? Let me just make sure you understand something. React is in the flesh. Okay? Respond is in the spirit. Okay? React is in the flesh, respond is in the spirit. We see Jesus who is fully. Fully man, yet fully God. And we see the full, the, the full gospel, the full Trinitarian God represented in this text here by the way that he responds. Because he is right but knows his purpose, how does he respond? He responds beautifully. I have spoken openly to the world. I have basically just this beautiful, beautiful um, sound in my mind as I read those v- words. There's no tone problems. There's no anger problems here. There's strength in his voice. What, the word that I would say to you is the word meek. Meekness is power under control. It is power under the Spirit because meekness is a fruit of the Spirit. And here is the difference. If you want to live a forward faith and not a secret faith, okay, And if you want to live a forward faith, you have to live that in the spirit of the living God. A lot of times what we're doing is we're living things out of the flesh, but we're not living out of the spirit. The spirit of the living God, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, you shall be my witnesses when the power of the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That word power is the word in Greek is dunamis, which is where we get our English word dynamite the power of the Spirit that is given to us to live this life and to respond, not react, is only possible in the flesh, only possible in the Spirit, not in the flesh. If we want to be able to respond the way that would honor God, then we must do so in the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit. Picture this like a reservoir. You've seen a reservoir. The reservoir has an overflow. Every reservoir in the world has an, has an overflow. And so what happens is the reservoir is filled up and then there's an overflow and that's where it overflows and it disperses the water, right? And it has an overflow and it does what it's supposed to do, it overflows. Your life is to be like a reservoir. So where then the God of the universe watches you and sees you and you ask God, fill me with your spirit. You're indwelt with the spirit when you get saved. When you say yes to Jesus, the spirit of the living God lives in you. Then, when you give your life over to him, you are filled with the Spirit. You are filled with the Spirit. And thereby, when you're filled with the Spirit, what happens is you are able to walk and respond, not react. Husbands, we need to know that, right? We don't have to be right all the time. If you have a teenage daughter, be careful. Okay, I'm talking to myself. <laughs> so we, we need to be careful. So here's what we see in here by l- learning a lesson from Jesus. When we take a look at what Jesus did, we, we see that a forward faith is not a secret faith. But we also see that a forward faith is being led by the Spirit. I, I love this. He, he did not get loud. He did not throw anything. He did not bite anyone. Okay, quick story. Thanksgiving Day, my 11-year-old bit my 7-year-old. I wish that I had responded. I I, I reacted. Okay, Thanksgiving Day in front of my brother's kids and stuff like that. uh, Jesus, he did not curse. He did not laugh it off. He answered calmly. He asked for a witness to his teaching. He asked the officer to justify the hit across the face. Could you please justify why you just did what you did? Why? Because he was calmly, calmly demonstrating to us how to be led by the Spirit of the living God. Which is possible, like I said. The word meekness I demonstrated to you is it's, it's perhaps it's like um, it's strength that is submitted to an appropriate authority. An ox is incredibly, incredibly powerful, but when it it's it's guided, it's strength under control because it's plowing a garden. We're doing that. I I would I would like to just say, hey, how how are we? What is it that Jesus? us. We can go back to that because here's what I want you to see. And, and I, want you to, I want you to really, really pay attention. I want to summarize really the message of the gospel with this story. I want to summarize the message of the gospel with this story because here's what's going on. You're in a sermon, you're in a message series right now titled Forward. You've got two more and then we go up to Easter and we get to celebrate like we do each and every day. But the world recognizes that day, and you'll have other people come in here that don't normally come to church. And what we want to do is we want to see them take a step forward for Jesus. My prayer for you ever since I started coming, knew that I was coming here, was that I would pray that every single person in this building today would take one step closer to Jesus than you did before before you came in. I was hoping that every single person in here today would say, I want to take one step closer to Jesus. And I pray specifically for those of you that are in here today that if you if you were to say, I don't know Christ, I don't have a relationship with Him, I want to know how. My prayer is that you would repent like Jerry did at the dump, and say yes to King Jesus, and you would accept Him. But but let me let me give it to you this way. A couple of years ago, um, I. Uh, a couple years ago, we went to the beach. Okay, we went to the beach, and we were there with my in-laws. Um, my beautiful, beautiful mother-in-law, Kathy Qualls, is with Jesus right now. She died January the fourth, two thousand seventeen. Um, my wife and I—we were, we were asking the Lord to hold us up. It's been tough, but mom. One of my favorite times is we went to the beach with Kathy and Phil. Um, uh, every October, we would go for like a weekend, and so we're down there in the uh, for, in this beach trip October 2014 and we're down there and um that morning Phil goes we're going to church he's a pastor and I said no I'm not going and he looked at me and said what did you say and Rick and I he was our boss at Apex Baptist for uh, a long time and I just said hey I get so- I don't get many Sundays off I'm just I'm not going to church well he got up and went to church because he's more spiritual and um and uh I took my family and I took, them out to, I took them out to the stairwell and I said, we're going to have family church, we're going to have it in the stairwell. And uh, I stood up on the um, part of the steps, steps in a 10 story high rise building and I'm in, uh, right next to the elevator, there's a stairwell and um, um, my whole family, Kathy Qualls, my wife, Dana, our four kids are on the platform down here and I'm up top of about 12 steps. And I look at him down there, and I said, I listen to me right now. I want to ask you a question. I want each of you right now, I want you to pretend that I am God, and I want you to come to me, and I want you to jump up these steps, but you cannot touch one step. You can't touch a step. And I want you to jump up. I want you to come come up to me. And every single one of them looked at me, and were like, I can do it. I can do it. Well, man, they tried, and it didn't work. They tried, They tried, and it didn't work, tried, and didn't work. Every one of them tried, and it was ambitious, but it didn't work. And I said, that's because the God of the universe knew that you could not come to him, and that's why he, and I started walking down the steps, and I walked down the steps. That's why he came to you. And I looked at my daughter, and I said, get on my back. And I walked her up the steps. And I said, you know what he did? He came back down for you, Jake. And I put Jake on my back and I brought him up and I went down and I put my son Andrew on my back and I brought him up and I went down and I got Luke and I brought Luke up and I went down and I got my mother-in-law who was 67 years old. I put her on my back and I went up the stairs and she went, woo, and i up the stairs. And I sat her on that platform. I went down and got my beautiful wife, and I brought her up to the steps. And I said, what did you learn? What did you learn? She said, Jesus. Molly goes, Jesus came for me. And Luke goes, Jesus came for me. And (laughs) my mother-in-law, Jesus came for me. And my wife says, Jesus came for me. And one by one, they were going, he came for me. He came for me. And I'm here to tell you, yes, he did. He came for you. Now, listen to me. Listen to me. Just because He came for you, that means we cannot have a forward faith and be quiet. It's impossible. It's impossible. So how do you answer the question? A forward faith is being filled with the Spirit of God and going where He will take you. Regardless of the diagnosis, regardless of the loss of a job, regardless of the sickness, Regardless of whatever, it is saying, I am led by the Spirit of God, and I'm walking forward, and I'm not going to walk in secret. He came for you. Please we'll never forget that. How do you receive that? You repent, and you believe, and you will be saved. As we sing, you sit and you think about that. But you sit and think, are you too quiet? And what needs to change? in order for you to be more vocal. I love you, Anthem Church. I love you, Pastor. I'm praying for you. Let's pray. God, we love you. Grateful for you. Thankful for you. And uh, just I'm grateful to be able to stand before these people and to be able to share and teach and pray that you would be glorified. We thank you for our music that we were singing, with the kids who have been taught. We thank you for um, the word and we thank you, Lord, for, G- for Jesus who demonstrated to us, who demonstrated to us what it means to not live in secret. I pray that we would be a church, that the Anthem Church would be a church that is characterized not by secrets, but by boldness. I pray that they would be characterized by a forward faith, of power, of boldness, and being filled with the Spirit. We love you, God. We thank you. We're here to celebrate you. We're here to worship you. Be with their each individual celebration. And God, if there's anybody in here right now that doesn't know you, I pray that they would not get in their car and go home until they settle that deal about where they stand in regards to eternity. We love you. We thank you for saving us. And we thank you for going forward to the cross so that we might be able to be saved. In Jesus' name, amen.